right. Well, we want to welcome everyone who's joined us by live stream this morning. Uh, we are going to dive into the word very quickly. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, well, let me say it this way. Because you have your Bible, you're able to turn to two openings this morning. The first one is in Mark chapter 16. And the second opening will be Acts chapter 1. And this morning we're going to conclude uh, the, our series that we started several weeks back. I, can't, I think five or six weeks ago. Uh, a month ago, something like that. Uh, we're going to finish that series that we started on the role of the Holy Spirit in the lives of of the believer. This is, my brothers and sisters, one of the most important series that I've ever had the privilege to teach. And it is my prayer that you continue to feed on these materials ongoingly. Not just leave this as another series that pastor taught. This is the most important series in a believer's life. You need to know why Jesus sent the Holy Ghost to this planet. How many of you would agree that the most important person on this planet today is the Holy Spirit? Amen. For those who uh, uh, missed a few of our messages, we found that the Holy Spirit is a person. Amen. He don't have a human body, but he is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, depending on what version of the Bible you read. And the King James always says Holy Ghost. Amen? He's the third person in the God, uh, Godhead <clears throat> who Jesus sent to this earth to finish the, his work, Jesus' work, in you and in me. See, how many of you know Jesus finished his part on the cross? But his work is not finished in you until you meet him in the air. Amen. He'll constantly be working on us day by day. Amen. So we've been talking about uh, the ministry or the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. And we know, number one, that he leads and guides us in our everyday lives. He leads and guides us, first of all, through the inward witness. Uh, that little voice on the inside of you that tells you not to do certain things and tells you to do other things. He also leads and guides us in our everyday lives through what? Everybody say, through the Word of God. Amen? That's the only two ways He's going to lead you. He's not going to lead you with goosebumps. Amen? He's not going to lead you with... Uh, a good feeling on the inside of you. You will feel good when you do what he tells you to. But a lot of times the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to do things or uh, lead you in a place where you ain't going to want to go. Amen. Not your flesh anyway. Your spirit always wants to be obedient to God's word. But your flesh will rebel every chance it gets. And that's just a known fact. Uh, the second thing that the Holy Spirit, the second role of the Holy Spirit is he's our comforter. He comforts us and strengthens us through the scriptures. But listen, it's not the scriptures that we know. 
It's the scriptures that we what? Speak. It's the scriptures that we speak. So he comforts us through the scriptures that we speak. Number three, he dwells in us uh, to be our counselor. A lot of people don't like to be counseled. I've had many people come into the office and they want to be counseled until I start counseling through God's word. And then they say, well, do you have a second opinion? <laughs> well, I don't. God's word is the only opinion there is, right? But he dwells in us to be our counselor, and he will always, not some of the time, but he will always counsel us with godly counsel. In other words, he will give us what God says about it. Amen. Number four, he's, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps us by living in us, first of all. When he lives in you, how many of you know if you're conscious of that fact, you're going to live different? Amen. Just me knowing that the Holy Ghost is with me all the time has kept me from doing a lot of things that my flesh wants to do. And say a lot of things that my flesh wants to say. And if you're conscious of Him living in you, you won't act the way you do either sometimes. Amen. Amen. I know. Y'all ready to move on? <laughs> He's our helper and He helps us in our prayer life. He's our intercessor. Now, we talked about this last week. Amen. That He helps us in our prayer life. And I'm not going to go over all that. Well, I'm going to go over some of that again today, but not all of it. Amen. So, if you want to know how He's your intercessor, then you need to go back and listen to last week's message. And the, the third thing, He's our helper. He, uh, or one of the, the uh, he helps us by revealing the scriptures to us. He will give you revelation knowledge about the scriptures. He, uh, he also helps us to resist the devil and any temptation to sin. He can help us in that, but how many of you know you can override the Holy Spirit and sin if you want to sin? Matter of fact. God made us free moral agents. And no matter what this book says, we don't have to do it. Amen. Do we? Ain't nobody forcing you to do it. Now, thank God we don't live in the Old Testament because when they were disobedient back then, there, was, <laughs> there were consequences. Amen. I thank you, Jesus, that I don't live in the Old Testament. That's why I don't understand why some people want to live there nowadays. Well, that's not what the Old Testament says. Well, we ain't in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. This is a new and better covenant. Praise God. And the last thing he helps us by revealing to us just how much God really loves us. Amen? So, these are the roles of the Holy Spirit in the lives of every believer. Every believer. Not some believers. Not just Hill Country Cowboy Church believers but every believer. Amen? Hallelujah. He wants to help us. But how many of you know He won't force you to do anything? He can't force you to do anything. In other words, everything in your life and everything in my life is a choice. 
So I want you to keep that in mind as we continue in this teaching because as I told you last week, this last teaching is going to be about the operation of the Holy Spirit not only in the lives of the believers but in the, in the church itself and why the church, why the, the, that Paul and Jesus both preached that we should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the title of this message today is Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. See, by living, by the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me, how many of you know it makes me a supernatural being? Not because of who John is, but because of who he is. So it makes us all supernatural, just the fact that he lives on the inside of us. Amen. It gives us supernatural powers to, to understand when we ask to be filled. I'm going to get ahead of myself. When we ask to be filled, he gives us the supernatural power to understand the scriptures more. Amen. And I covered a little bit of that last week. But it makes our lives uh, supernatural. See, God never intended for you and I, my brother and sister, to live a natural life. Get a hold of that. We live in a natural body. But what did we learn? We are a spirit being. We live in a body. And we have a soul. Amen. So the main part of every person on this planet is their spirit man. That's what God created in his image. I mean, you know, and I thank God he don't look like me. Amen. So when he makes somebody in, their, in his image, it's not the physical aspects of the human being it's that he made everybody and created everybody in his likeness and they are a spirit being amen amen i'm getting these basics out of the way and most of you know this but how many of you know uh, faith don't grow by what you know it knows it goes you build your faith on what you hear and hear and hear and hear right so we got to hear it over and over again <clears throat> amen he empowers our life supernaturally are you with me now what I want to talk to you about this morning is what the Bible calls being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and I realize that this is a very controversial subject uh, but I want to clear up a lot of the questions that many people have this morning now, there may not be anybody in here that has a question, but there might be somebody watching my live stream that has a question. Amen? Turn your name and say, it ain't just about you. Hallelujah. It's about all of us. Amen. I mean, in my life, I'll just use me. I got, I believe I truly got saved in 1984. Now, my testimony is I didn't board in the doer of the word, so eventually I backslid like the prodigal son, went back out into the world. That's another whole testimony. But in 1984, when I got saved, I heard different denominations say things like, well, you know, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really saved. That's a lie. The Bible does not say that. I heard other denominations say, oh man, you need to stay away from that tongue business because if you talk in tongues, you're the devil. 
Well, how many of you know that's not true either? Amen. For those who don't know that's true, I'm going to teach you that today. Praise God. <clears throat> See, what, I, what happened in my life, and I, I hope is what's happening in yours, that you're not just taking what I tell you out of the pulpit, because a lot of people do that. Whatever the whatever denomination they may have been raised in, all they believe is what that guy up in the pulpit told them. Amen. There's still people that never carry a Bible to church. Don't look down in your lap. Don't hide your face. You need to take your Bible. You need to have a Bible. You need to know that what I'm telling you is coming right out of this book. Amen. That's the only way you're going to know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Amen. So, we're going to take a look at this this morning. What do the scriptures say? First, let's see what Jesus said. How many of you believe Jesus was of the devil? Okay, that's good. That's a good thing. Well, look at this in Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. I'll start reading with verse 16. And this is going to answer that question about uh, the, the, the certain denominations that say, well, if you don't talk in tongues, you ain't saved. Because that, that, that ain't true. In verse 16, Jesus himself said, and this is red letter, he said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Right? So that's the criteria to get saved. Believe and be baptized. Amen. Now, he's talking about baptism in water, isn't he? Amen. But he who does not believe will be condemned. That's pretty cut and dry too, isn't it? Verse 17, and these signs will follow, not might follow, might not, not follow some, not follow a certain denomination, not follow summing of certain denominations, but these signs will follow all those who believe. In my name, in the name of Jesus, they will cast out demons. They will, not might, they will speak with new tongues. Now this is Jesus saying this. Amen? Underline that in your Bible. And we just determined that Jesus is not of the devil, right? He's the Son of God. And he says, in my name, you, these signs will follow you. You will cast out demons. You will speak with new tongues. You will take up serpents. And this is where a lot of denominations go crossways when they read those two sentences together, you know, speaking tongues and take up service. They must be snake handlers over there. Bunch of weird stuff going down at that church. You see how people can get turned sideways? They will take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Notice Jesus said, these signs will follow all those who believe. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Yeah, but that just means they won't cuss anymore. Well, I got news for you. I know a lot of born-again Christians that still cuss like a mule driver. Amen. Being born again don't stop somebody from using four-letter words to show their anger or their disgust. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't raise your hand. 
That was a trick question, guys. Ask <laughs> me, Pastor. <laughs> You're on my street. <laughs> Glory to God. So it don't mean that you just want going to change the way you talk. It means what it says. Now, don't it? Amen. Hallelujah. The word tongue in the Greek means a language not naturally acquired. A language not naturally acquired. So he said, you'll speak in languages that are not naturally acquired. It's the same word here that is in Acts that we're going to read here in a few moments and in 1 Corinthians. It's the same word, tongues. So get a hold of that. Don't read anything into that. Read it like it says it. Praise God. Amen. Now, look at this in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Again, this is Jesus talking. Because it's in red letter if you have a red letter Bible. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 4. And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, he commanded them. He didn't beg them. He didn't give them a suggestion, did he? He said he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, look at this, for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, but notice he said, wait for the promise. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Hallelujah. Notice being baptized with water and being baptized in the Holy Spirit are two separate things. Some people say, well, I got all I needed when I got saved. No, you did not. Does the Bible say you got everything when you got saved? No. It's two different things. Jesus himself said, yeah, you were saved. You got baptized in water. But then wait, and you're going to receive another baptism called the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? It's right there in your Bible, isn't it? Is that what your Bible says? I just want to make sure I'm not reading a different Bible than what you're reading. See, there's something after you get saved and get water baptized. Look at this. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, look down at verse number 8. And this is so powerful. This is another reason to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now that must mean right there. Now listen, can one person, if he was just speaking to Pastor John, and says, you'll receive, uh, you'll receive uh, power, Pastor John, and uh, you'll go throughout all the land, not only in Jerusalem, but in all these other countries and, and throughout the whole world, and share what God has done for you. No, I can't do that. So he must mean all of us, don't he? I said he must mean all of us, don't he? Amen. One person can't cover all the distance. 
the twelve apostles could not cover the entire world. He said, and to the end of the earth. Oh, that covers pretty much all the earth, don't it? Amen. So Jesus is telling all these folks that, that were already saved and baptized to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came upon them. Are you with me? All right. Now, look at this in Acts chapter 2. Are you interested in this this morning? Are you interested in knowing the truth? Amen. In Acts chapter 2, and what we're going to, so when you look at the upper room, and that's what chapter 2 is all about, uh, who, are, who, who all was there? The disciples, Peter, James, John, all the rest of the apostles, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene was there. Amen. All total, 120 people were in that room. Now, it's important to understand that Jesus witnessed and commanded 500 of them to wait in Jerusalem. Now, how many of you know every church has people who's just going to get to be there for the fish dinner and then they're going to go on home? Well, the church here was no different. He witnessed and commanded 500 of them to go to and wait in Jerusalem, but only 120 of them were obedient to what he commanded them. Now, that was like a lead balloon. See, only 120 of them made it to the room. Amen. So let's, uh, so Jesus is there with them. So let's just see what happens in verse 1. Acts 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost uh, had fully come, look at this, they were all, everybody say all, underline that in your Bible, they were all with one accord. Underline one accord in your Bible. They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Uh, then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. So there had to be at least 120 tongues, right? Get a hold of it. Amen. And they were all filled. 120 men and women in that room, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Not filled with weirdness. Not filled with the devil. But they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, and from every nation on the earth. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. Many churches are like that. Because everyone heard them speak in his own tongue or his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Now, what I want you to notice 
that they were all in one place. That don't mean they were all in the same place in the same house. You study that out, they were all in the same faith. They all believed in the same Jesus. They were all in the same place, believing the same thing. Because the next thing it says, and they were all in one accord. That's important. My brother and sister, I'm going to just put a little footnote here. If we want this body, I'm not talking about talking in tongues. I'm talking about having the power of God flow in and through this body to help all the people out there. When they come in here looking for help, this body is going to have to get in one accord, in one place, and in one accord with God's word. Period. And that the Holy Ghost and God's power will not flow if the church is divided. Amen. And every one of us need to get a hold of that. No matter what else happens, no matter what else is say, said, we need to stay in unity here. We need to stay in one accord. Can I get an amen to that? They were all in one place and in one accord and suddenly the power of God came in and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all, not part of them, but all began to speak in tongues. Now, notice, and this is a very important, Notice that all the tongues were a known language. Underline that in your Bible. The, the guy, they said in verse 7, it says, They were all amazed, saying to one another, Aren't these all Galileans? Well, how is it that we hear each of our own languages in which we were born? That's very important. I'll, and I'll share with you later why. Amen? In other words, how can these Galileans speak to us in our native language? It was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice that all of them spoke in another tongue, not just the apostles, not just 30, 40, 50% of them, but all of them, which is significant because it tells us that this experience is for all believers. If, everybody say if, if they want it. If they want it, again, God ain't going to force nothing on anybody. But that'd be like uh, somebody, uh, and I, I don't know that I will ever do what I'm fixing to tell you. But that'd be like me preaching, and all of a sudden I start preaching in Japanese because somebody watching my deal there speaks Japanese. Amen. And, or he hears me in Japanese. Let me put it that way. He hears me. I'm speaking in his language. But right here, I could be speaking in English. I could be speaking in another tongue. I could be speaking, but they hear their own language. That's what happened here. Amen? They spoke in different languages. But it really would be like me speaking Japanese. Amen. I don't know if that's a good enough example, but it's what just came to my spirit. So we're just going to roll with it. Amen? But you have, to want, you have to want it. You have to want this to be a part of your life. You have to be, want to be empowered like this. Amen. Remember, Jesus said, wait for the promise. Well, was the promise just for the 120? No. Look at verse 37. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Isn't this good? Amen. Now when they heard this, they were all cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. In other words, change your stinking thinking. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. In other words, get saved and be baptized in water. And then look at this. And you shall receive the gift. It's a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Now then before I move on, I just want you to know that if I come to you and want to give you a gift, you don't have to receive it. How many of you know that? Two of you. Amen. That's the only two I'll take a gift to. Because <laughs> Glory to God. Uh, can I get y'all to turn the AC back on? That's back there, please. Thank you. Whenever I see fans going, I know I'm preaching somebody hot. <laughs> Hallelujah. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now watch this. For the promise is to you, underline that, and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So underline to you, to all your children, and to all. That's very important. People say, well, you know, that was done away with back then. Tongues were done away with. That experience was done away with. That's not true. And whoever taught you that was not teaching you the truth. Because right here in your Bible, it says to you, to your children, and to all who are far off. As many as the Lord, your, our God, will call. Now listen to me. That does not mean he's got your telephone number. He's going to ring you on your cell phone. If you are born again, if you are born again, you are called by God. Amen. Because if you wasn't called, you'd have never gave your life to him. Nobody comes to Christ except the Spirit draws them. So if you're born again this morning, you are called. So he's talking to you here. Amen? The gift of... So, is the gift of the Holy Spirit that filled the 120 at Pentecost for all believers? According to the scriptures, it is. Amen. Now, turn over to Acts chapter 10. You're going to get out of here very early today, praise God. Amen? That's why I saved this message to last. Because to me, it's the shortest one. All the everything I've taught you in the last four weeks, four or five weeks, is to me, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, far more important, far more important than you speaking in tongues or not speaking in tongues. Amen. So don't lose sight of what you've already been taught over this one little issue. And it really shouldn't be an issue to the body of Christ if people would just read their Bible. Acts chapter 10. 
And this is Peter. Uh, I set this up. This is Peter preaching to the house of Cornelius. Amen. In Acts chapter 10, verse number 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all, underline that, all those who heard the word. Who did he fall on? All those who heard the word. Not all of those who listened to the word, but all those who heard the word. Amen. He fell on all those who heard the word. And look at them in verse 45. And those of the circumcision who believed and were astonished, as many as came to Peter, or came with Peter, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been now poured out on Gentiles. Turn your name and say, he's talking about you. If you ain't a Jew, you're a Gentile. That the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered. Now, look at verse number 46 in the Amplified. Just look at the screen. It says, For they heard them talking in unknown tongues or languages and extolling and magnifying God, then Peter asked. Notice it says they heard them talking in unknown tongues. Amen? Remember in Acts 2, uh, it was known tongues, wasn't it? Right? In the languages that they understood. Right? Now he's talking about them praying or talking in unknown tongues. Hallelujah. So this is a totally different operation of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit that was in Acts chapter 2. See, in Acts chapter 2, God was first introducing because he told them to wait for the promise. So God, in his infinite wisdom, was introducing them to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. So he was introducing them to a supernatural moving of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and now, God is giving them a whole new experience. Uh, an experience called speaking in an unknown tongue. Hallelujah. This is an experience that, uh, it, that is supernatural, just like the one in Acts chapter 2, that causes people to speak in unknown tongues or languages. Uh, and that's what I'm going to spend the next few moments talking about. Are you still here? You're going home. Hallelujah. You see, brothers and sisters, everything I'm telling you right now is right there in your Bible. I'm not, I can't make this kind of stuff up. Amen. God is the author of the Word of God. Isn't he? So whenever I read to you the scriptures, you've got to know it's coming right from God's lips to you. Amen. That's the way I look at it. Hallelujah. Look at this in chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Say amen when you're there. Hallelujah. 
Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, now watch this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now wow, that just upends everybody's theology that says you get the Holy Spirit when you get saved. You get a portion of the Holy Spirit. But just enough to get you saved. Just like faith. You just get a measure of faith. Then what you do with your faith from then on is up to you and how much word you read. Right? Isn't that what it's saying here? He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? In other words, you heard anything about the Holy Ghost? They said, and I'm paraphrasing, but let me just read it. But they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now wait a minute. These two guys <clears throat> were disciples. Or these guys, there was more than that, they ended up being 12. These guys were disciples. They had been baptized. And we're going to find that out. Verse 3, he said, And he said to them, In what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Well, how many of you know John baptized with water for the remission of sins? <clears throat> then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Now, verse 5, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Verse 7, Now the men were about twelve in all. <clears throat> Why did the Holy Spirit point that out? Why did God point that out that there were twelve of them? Because he wanted to let you know that every one of them received the Holy Ghost, when Paul laid hands on them and every one of them spoke with tongues and prophesied. Amen. Now, right here, my brothers and sisters, is where some denominational churches went sideways. And they made a religion out of speaking in tongues and prophesying. Amen. And uh, most of you have heard of these denominations, so I don't need to mention them. But they went sideways thinking that speaking in tongues and prophesying was one and the same. And they're not. And I'm going to show you that. Amen. Hallelujah. Paul makes that quite clear in verse uh, in chapter in First Corinthians chapter 14. I want you to turn there. This will answer your questions. And uh, while I'm going there, guys, Brother Bud, I don't know if everybody, anybody got a copy of the pass out, but uh, just one per family, but everybody raised a hand that did not get a copy of that, and I want Brother Bud and, and, uh, and huh? Okay, well, okay. Easy. It's all good. I want Brother Bud. <laughs> I was going to just tell you, if you want a copy of what I'm fixing to read to you, it's back there on the table. And I, I was going to leave it to you to whether you wanted to really pursue this or not. 
but I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to give you a copy of it, one per family. Amen? So if you'd like a copy of what I'm fixing to read you, go ahead and raise your hand. But Paul makes it quite clear in chapter uh, 14 of 1 Corinthians, uh, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. You can pass those out while I'm, talk, uh, while I'm talking. Uh, sorry about the folks over by live stream. You don't get a copy of this, so you better take some good notes. Hallelujah. If you live in Wembley, start coming to church. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Hallelujah. It's not fair to everybody else in Wembley that come to this church faithfully and you stand there sitting at home in your recliner in your pajamas. Are y'all happy I just said that to them? <laughs> we'll see how many extra people come to church next Sunday. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. First Corinthians chapter 14. And again, look at the board, uh, the monitor, because I'm going to read it off the amp out of the Amplified. It says, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. Talking about the love that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments or the gifts. Now those gifts, if you want to know, and this is why I told you last week to read chapter 12, 13, and 14. How many of you did your homework? Don't raise your hand. Uh, but if you want to know about the spiritual gifts, read uh, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Amen? That's what he's talking about here. See, a lot of times you just do what pastor tells you to and read what I tell you to. You'll be up to snuff when I start preaching stuff like this. You ain't going, you're not going, what gifts is he talking about? Amen. Desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments or gifts, especially, look at this, that you may prophesy. Interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. Now, how many of you know that inspired preaching and teaching is done in English? It's done in a known language. Amen? Look at this in verse 2. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to man, or not to men, but to who? To God. For no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit... He utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. But on the other hand, the one who prophesies, who interprets the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching, speaks to men for their upbuilding and con constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. He who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself. Underline that scripture. Because I'm going to talk about that more in just a few minutes. But watch this. But he who prophesies, interprets, uh, interpreting the divine will and purpose and teaching with inspirational uh, inspiration, edifies and improves the whole church and promotes growth in Christian wisdom piety, holiness, and happiness. My brothers and sisters, interpreting God's will, uh, divine will and purpose. Listen to you, Pastor, now. And teaching his word with inspiration is what God has called me to do. And that's how I'm going to lead this church. In other words, 
I'm not going to allow anyone to come into this body and because they come from a, a, a denominational church and I'm not going to allow them to jump up and start spewing out tongues in an unknown, in an unknown tongue and then expect me to interpret it in Texican so that you'll understand it. Amen? I don't believe it's been done away with, but I don't believe it's necessary in a church that teaches the uncompromised Word of God. Amen? And teaches you to speak the Word. Teaches you to get revelation knowledge. Amen? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on, came on, was never in somebody, but came on the prophets, the teachers, amen, the kings, the priests. Why? To give revelation knowledge of what God was saying. You get revelation knowledge about what God is saying every time you come through those doors. Amen. Not because of me, because of the calling He has on my life. Amen. So I'm not going to let any of that foolishness come into the church. And I call it foolishness because denominations has twisted it to think it's got to look for a sign. Got to look for somebody to speak in tongues. I've been in churches where they, 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 they sang a fast song. They slowly sang a slow song. They gave a message in tongues. Somebody got up and interpreted it. And then they, was able to, then they could go on with the service and, and listen to the word. And we're just not going to do that. I hope you're clear with that. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But we're not going to do that. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, in chapter 14, Paul gives us 16 contrasts of tongues and prophecy. And I'm going to read those to you right now. <clears throat> I said you're going to get out early, but that don't mean nothing. <laughs> Number one, tongues are spoken to God. Prophecy is spoken to teach people. And it gives a scripture there. Number two, there'll be scriptures to verify this in the word of God on everything I'm fixing to tell you. Mysteries or things not understood are spoken in tongues. All things spoken in prophecy are very clear. Tongues edify the speaker. Prophecy edifies the speaker and others. Number four, tongues enable one to commune with God. Prophecy speaks to the people edification, exhortation, and comfort. The prophet is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless tongues are interpreted and understood. So that right there enforces what I just told you. Why should we, let, why should we speak in tongues and then interpret it when we can just interpret it or, or just give it right out of the word of God? Amen? Amen. See, the Bible's not that hard. Praise God. The speaker in tongues must pray for the interpretation. The prophet needs not, for his message is in his own tongue or language. Tongues make uh, one a barbarian to others. I, 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 when I read that, I thought, well, I don't know about barbarian, but I can tell you what, when a stranger comes into a church and they start spouting off tongues, it definitely makes them think they're weird. And let me tell you something else. A lot of people leave the church because they don't, they've never been taught about tongues. So when they first hear them, it kind of just freaks them out. Amen. 
we're going to learn. That way if somebody else comes in here uh, and they start saying, well, well we're going to do this. Well, no, you better not. Pastor will call you down. <laughs> hey, you better not do that. <laughs> Amen. Tongues make, a, make one a barbarian to other. Prophecy does not. Number nine. <clears throat> in all gifts, the main purpose is to excel in edifying the church. In this, prophecy is greater than tongues. Number ten. The human spirit of the speaker is the only, is the thing, uh, let me read that again. The human spirit of the speaker is the thing edified by tongues. Prophecy benefits all people. Amen? Amen. Tongues are a great personal blessing. But Paul even said this in, in first, right there in 1 Corinthians. He says, but five words of prophecy are more important in public services than 10,000 words spoken in a tongue. Tongues are for a sign to unbelievers. Prophecy is for believers. All speaking in tongues at once causes mockery. But the unsaved, uh, by the unsaved, whereas with prophesying, the unsaved are convicted of their sin. Every gift must be used to edify the church. Prophecies do this better. And then number 15 and number 16 uh, talks about how many messages can be uh, given in a church. I'm telling you, none will. There will be no messages in tongues in this church. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, this should clear up any wrong teachings concerning the gift of tongues being exercised in the church. Can I get an amen? amen? And listen, if it don't, don't ever try to get up and give a tongue here because I will call you down. Amen. You know why? It's not because I want I mean, it's not because of the power of me. It's because I don't want anybody else to be confused or leave here because they didn't understand. Amen. And when you do that, if, if, if everybody ain't in one accord, it's going to cause confusion. And if you look in your Bible there, I don't remember what scripture it is, but it says right there in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 14, down in, uh, let's say, I don't know. It says, God is not the author of confusion. That's why we won't do that here. God is not the author of confusion. And if one person gets up confused by something like that happening, I ain't done my job, and I'm not going to let that happen. Amen. Now, I know I'm just getting this in my spirit right now. Some people are saying, well, didn't that lady a couple, two or three weeks ago uh, pray for those people in tongues? Yes, he did, and I talked about that. That's called intercessory prayer. Amen. So go back and listen to that message. It's not the same thing. This is talking about somebody getting up and spouting a tongue and then somebody else, uh, usually the pastor, giving the interpretation of it. Amen. Hallelujah. I personally believe that uh, when I lay hands on you and I pray for you, I'm going to pray in English. So you understand what I'm telling you. And I'm going to tell you exactly what God's word says about you, whether it be for healing, whether it be for deliverance, whatever it be for, that's what I'm going to pray. Because here's the deal. When you pray God's word, you're praying God's will over your life. Are you with me? 
So why should I let the Holy uh, ask the Holy Spirit to pray what I should be praying? I'm not that lazy. I'm going to pray. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. You still love me? Amen. Praise God. Are you getting anything out of this? Hallelujah. I know I am. Praise God. But this is going to clear a lot of that up. Hallelujah. Now, on the other hand, if you want to get with pastor and say, you know, God's given me a revelation about such and such scripture. Could I just give a testimony? I'm going to say, absolutely, man. As long you give it in English. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> now, hallelujah. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you about concerning speaking in an unknown tongue is found in verse number four. And this is, to me, the most important. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 4 says, uh, and I want you to notice uh, this. He says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Underline that. I told you to do that a while ago. If you didn't do it, do it. Amen. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Notice it's the believer who gets edified. It's the believer who gets edified when they speak in an unknown tongue. This is scriptural. The Amplified Bible says it like this. He says, He who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself or herself. I added the herself. So, being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues is primarily for an individual uh, individual's personal edification and an individual's personal spiritual growth. Amen. It's not about that. Therefore, if you speak in an untongued tongue, you don't have to speak out loud. When I first got saved, and I shared this with you, I think, last week, I didn't know what I know now. And I don't know everything for sure. I'm still growing. But I believed everything the Bible said. And I believed that being baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence speaking in tongues was for me. So I asked God for it. And he baptized me in the Holy Spirit and I got a tongue language. But let me tell you something. I didn't get up in church service and go spouting off tongues. You know, normally the only time I ever used it when I was driving down the road. Amen. And I didn't know how to pray. Remember I told you that last week when we don't know what we know how to pray for something we can pray in the Holy Spirit and he'll help us. Amen. Now I know how to pray. I pray God's will. Amen. But back then, because I was that's, I read it and I believed it, I asked for it and I got it. And nowadays, if I was going down the road, they would look over there and they'd see me just moving my lips. They'd say, look at that idiot. Man, he's talking to himself over there. Or he's, No, they'd probably say, look, he's on his Bluetooth. He's on the telephone. I hope it's hand free. Well, it is. When you, <laughs> Amen. I just want to throw that out there just so you'll know that it, this thing's for real because I experienced it. But you don't have to experience it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. See, whether or not you desire this gift for you is up to you. Amen. But the scriptures are clear that it is for all. Everybody say all. It is for all believers. Are you with me? Now, I want to close. Praise God. Jake's got his hands full. 
Hallelujah. You know, you can sit there, brother, if you want to. All right. Praise the Lord. I want to close today by encouraging you to continue listening to these messages on the Holy Spirit and feeding on the truth of God's Word concerning this subject. Reread John chapter 14. Reread chapter John chapter 16. Reread chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And learn what God's Word says about the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus to be our helper. He helps us. He helps guide us. He helps counsel us. He helps comfort us. He also empowers us. He gives us the power of God in our lives. He strengthens us. He builds us up on our most holy faith. That's Jude uh, chapter 1 verse 20. Of course, if you're looking for Jude chapter 2, there is none. So it's just Jude one twenty. Amen? He builds up our most holy faith. And yes, He'll even help us to pray if we need Him to. Amen? Hallelujah. It says He's our intercessor. But listen, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. That's one of the first things we learned. And He will never, ever force anyone to receive His help. He'll never do it. He won't force you to do anything. His role in the life of the every believer is to help us in our Christian walk. But we have to ask for His help. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Let's stand together. I hope you got as much out of this as I got out of it teaching it. Praise God. You know, every aspect of God's kingdom is available for the asking. Matthew 7, 7, just write this scripture down. It says, ask and it will be given you. I had to ask to be saved. I had to ask to have Jesus come into my life. I had to ask for Jesus to be my Lord. I had to invite Him and ask Him to be my Lord. And I had to ask God to fill me with His Holy Spirit. Not for this gift that I just told you about, but so that I would understand more about who He is. I read that prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 that, that says simply this. It says that, that God wants us to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who He is. That our eyes, the eyes of our understanding or the eyes of our heart would be open to His Word and receive His Word. Amen? But we have to ask. God was Lord help save me there may be someone watching my live stream this morning someone in this building that has not received Jesus Christ as their Savior or their Lord Thank you.
I just want to let you know I did not lie to you about getting you out here early, but the Holy Ghost took over. So if you have any complaints, give them to him. <laughs> the last thing we want to uh, encourage everyone in is that we serve a miracle-working God. And it don't matter where you are in your walk with God, you are always the next in line for your miracle. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. Greatly blessed.